You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! And we are back after a two-week hiatus. Ben, how have you been? I've been great. Uh, guys, sorry for uh, the leave of absence there. I have been traveling with my girlfriend. I will be traveling some more uh, this weekend as I'm going to see the Knicks in New York getting destroyed by the <laughs> San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to the Knicks soon enough. How yes. was New Orleans? How was new, new, maybe my, my, my favorite city that I have never been to yet? It's amazing. It lives up to every every stereotypes there is. It's People are nice or they're friendly. Um, the food is delicious. People are playing live music everywhere. And I've randomly made a friend who works with the Milwaukee Bucks. So <laughs> nice. you guys are going to be, I, I met them at the airport. You guys are going to be able to get some prime Milwaukee Bucks insights from me from around. Oh, that's very good. That's uh, very good. But you know what we missed in the last two weeks? A lot of drama in the NBA. LeBron oh, yeah. versus Charles, uh, Frank Isola, LeBron, Charles Barkley. So let's start with the, the oldest of all the drama that happened, LeBron and Charles Barkley. What happened? Where, where does it come from? Where, where does this beef between the two come from? Well, in order to understand the LeBron versus Charles Barkley beef, you have to go back to another beef of uh, LeBron versus the Cavs front office because the Cavaliers have had a horrible month of January. They lost more games in January than the um, Golden State Warriors have lost in the entire season. They lost nine games and the Warriors have lost eight games this season. And so LeBron has started making public demands for moves um, to the Cavs front office, which they did. They obliged by trading a first-round pick for Kyle Korver, which who is 35 years old? I remember. I remind you. And afterwards, he started going to the media asking for a playmaker. We need a point guard. We need a playmaker. And he need, he said we need a F expletive playmaker, and which hasn't been uh, done yet. And Charles Barkley said on TNT. LeBron should stop whining. It's not very professional of him. And then LeBron just went off. Like he <laughs> he called Charles Barkley absolutely every name in the book. He went online, he Googled Barkley and like <laughs> just just said every dirty thing there was about him. Well the thing is if you go online and Google Charles Barkley, you will find a lot of dirty things and you will find a lot of very interesting stories of his time when he was a superstar in the NBA. And let's go back to LeBron for a second. Ben is he acting up a bit like a spoiled child? Is he a little bit more, like would would never imagine I know it's the famous 
comparison here, but we would never see Michael Jordan complain like this on well, social media didn't exist back then, but let me tell you, when Michael Jordan spoke, it was literally social media back then. So we would never hear Michael Jordan speak like this in the 90s. Michael Jordan never faced the problems uh, that LeBron James did as he had the perfect complementary players for his style, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, and Tony Kukoc. Tony Kukoc. They never got hurt. They never got hurt, these guys. They they played they played like 10 years with him and they never got hurt. And LeBron James is facing injuries. He's facing uh, weird roster construction. Uh, some of this is his own making, but I don't know why he's so upset because the Cavs are basically an improved version of who they were last year. So maybe I wouldn't call him a spoiled child, but um, he's looking for attention maybe because uh, nobody's talking about him this season. Everybody's talking about Kevin Durant and the Warriors. Everybody's talking about uh, the uh, fiascos in Chicago, the fiasco in, uh, in um, New York. Nobody's talking about... LeBron James, I think maybe it's his way of getting back into the media. Yeah, right. So uh, another beef that's kind of related. It's LeBron James and Frank Isola because Frank Isola mentioned uh, last week or a few days ago, if not, I think it was actually yesterday, that LeBron yes. James mentioned that he wanted like a winger and he's ready, he's willing to accept the Kevin Love be traded and get Melo out here. He's not happy where he is. And then on the other side of this, we have Melo with Phil Jackson and Melo as a, a maybe a distraction in the locker room and a player that's not committed and never had a winning mentality and Phil Jackson putting on top of this on Twitter today that you know what it's kind of true so let's start with LeBron and Isola uh, did Isola did something right because LeBron James before calling Isola names mentioned you know what I didn't feel respected because it was dropped during a game uh, what do you think about the article first of all um, it's probably true <laughs> uh, it's probably uh, LeBron James is probably pushing for that trade. Um, he made comments about wishing Melo to be happy and wishing Melo to find a place where he belongs, blah, blah, blah. But um, Frank Isola, first of all, is usually a terrible writer. He's usually very rude and needlessly, uh, needlessly mean to people in his article, especially the Knicks. So I'm I'm a bit happy that LeBron James went uh, went this way, but um, basically basically it's probably true. I believe it's true because um, because everybody except LeBron is saying it's true, and LeBron like there's a good chance he's just trying to uh, manage the turmoil he caused in the in the locker room, and it would be a terrible idea to trade Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony. And it's about the only thing that the Cavs have to offer for the Knicks. But Kevin Love is a better player than Carmelo Anthony. He's younger, he's on a cheaper contract. So if it's probably true, I don't think it's going to happen because it would be a terrible uh, it would be a terrible roster move. And LeBron James is not a free agent after this year, so the Cavs don't have anything to fear. And um, I think I think Frank Isola on this one basically reported the news. If everybody is saying it's true except LeBron James, it's probably true. Yeah, exactly. Do you think LeBron is going to mention it outright? Yeah, it's true. No, exactly. All right, on the other side of this, Melo yes. 
and New York. Uh, is that relationship even possible remotely mendable or it's done and we'll see Melo leave? And what does it say about Phil Jackson that he's willing to come out on Twitter today and mention that little tidbit of information of his passing that equivalates Melo to one player that never had mentality uh, to win when Phil Jackson was playing in the CBA back then? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that Phil Jackson is making statement that could actually cost New York some some value on a potential mellow trade? Um, that's a complicated question. And I think our listeners are going to find this very interesting. The problem with Carmelo Anthony in New York right now is Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson, I believe, it's my, it's my understanding that he has wanted Carmelo out since they drafted Porzingis in 2015. I think I think he's not interested anymore, and he just wants to cash in on Carmelo until he's uh, until he's just uh, until he's uh, uh, he's still got some value. And right now, right now he's about the most valuable asset on the trade market. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't worry much uh, about like value. Like he's gonna get they're gonna get value one day one way or another. The only Problem is, they don't have. Uh, Melo has a no trade clause, and Melo doesn't want to waive his no trade clause. He says he's very happy in New York, and that he's doing that for his family. I don't know if it's a cop out or not, but for as long as Melo doesn't want to waive his no trade clause, a lot of what Phil is saying is just win. He's just trying to make Melo uncomfortable in order to in order to waive his no trade clause, and Melo. You know, Melo knows that he only has until February 23rd, uh, February 23rd, uh, to to uh, outlast Phil and be able to finish the season. Now, that's the interesting part. If I was Melo, I would totally leave. Leave like 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 he's tarnishing his legacy right now. Not chasing a ring. He could be a very valuable player on the Clippers. Could be a very valuable player on the um, Celtics, on the Cavs. Even I don't think he's going to be a very good player on the Cavs, but he could he could bring some value. But um, it's a complicated question, man. I I hope for him. Like if like if I was him, I would leave. But uh, but it's a clash of ego right now. Like like I don't know which ego is going to is going to win, but one of them is leaving town. Like, it's a loser-leave-town match between Carmelo Anthony and uh, Phil Jackson. Yeah, and we've seen New York, like, add pieces in the offseason, trying a different way with this project. And now with maybe the potential trade of Melo and Noah, who knows what's going to happen there, and company, it might be a blow-off of this team. And we might be having a New York Knicks starting next year built around a Porzingis in whichever draft pick they're going to get this year. So yes. that could be very interesting. Let's move to another young player with a team that's having a lot of drama recently, too. Yes. On top of it, Jimmy Butler and the Bulls. You know, when, when we started talking about the Bulls months ago, Ben, this season, we talked about, well, maybe Dwayne Wade and all that's not going to go well. Never would we thought that Jimmy Butler would be maybe the problem with the Bulls. He's not. That's the thing. He's not the problem. Um, the the problem with the Bulls is the front office that wrapped this lineup together. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Jimmy Butler is trying to win, 
and he, he is not surrounded by uh, by winners right now. And um, he, there's this really worst case scenario type of thing with uh, Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade right now. They cannot play together. Like I first foresaw this problem in the preseason. They started the season well, but now uh, Rajon Rondo alienated the entire locker room. Jimmy Butler alienated Rajon Rondo, and everything is everything is all over the place. Um, Gar Foreman right now, if I was him, I would trade everyone and keep Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler is the most valuable piece you have, right? But Jimmy Butler is 27 years old, and Jimmy Butler is Batman. He's a superhero, but he doesn't have any superhuman skills. <laughs> so... Either you keep him and you don't have like this LeBron factor, this Steven Durant factor, and then you try to build a contender around him, which is risky given that he's 28 year old, years old, or you trade him for young players. And now he's very attractive. Like of all the, like I, I like if of all the players, if I had to choose between Carmelo Anthony and Jimmy Butler going to my team, I would take Jimmy Butler any day. Um, the Celtics are gunning for Jimmy Butler. The Timberwolves are gunning for Jimmy Butler. He has a lot of value. He has a rather a rather okay contract. I think it's 90 million for five years, which in this NBA makes sense. Um, it's it's an interesting situation because he, of all these people, of all these players asking for transaction, he's the one who's been most wronged. And I, everybody wishes him a new team, a, a new start in the non-toxic culture. But the Bulls really need to make a clean sweep in the front office, man. Like, like they should have never let that situation escalate like this. They should have never tried to speed their way into, uh, yeah, their, to speed their way into winning. And like right now, it's the worst case scenario. You know what? I think it has a chance to happen both in New York and in Chicago. Like, I, I think because of this season and the extreme failure of both projects that are closely related in a way, I feel that it's possible we see clean sleep in uh, clean sweep in both front offices. Oh man, I wish, I wish. Um, I don't know who would take. I don't know who would take the. Um, I, I don't know who would take the the head of the front office in um, in New York, but it was one of my. Um, it was one of my um, prediction, my yeah. wild prediction before the season that Phil Jackson would leave and Jeff Hornacek would take over the front office. So maybe who knows? Who knows? Um, it's possible. Like, like I would agree a hundred percent with this uh, with this assessment. Before we talk about the All-Star Skill Contest participants yes. in the Don Contest, I just want to take a second to congratulate Kyle Lowry. Not that he's listening to this, but Kyle Lowry now has become the all-time leader three-point shooter for Toronto. And every time he hits a three points, he just continues on that record for Toronto. But slowly, he's now on the Mount Rushmore of the Toronto Raptors. When you think about the Raptors over the last 20 years, you're talk, thinking about Stoudemire, Vince Carter, uh, DeRozan, and uh, Bosch. So that's like your ultimate Mount Rushmore. And Lowry is not part of it. He is, I believe, the best point guard the Raptors ever had. I don't think the Raptors had a point guard who was this dynamic, this versatile, 
Um, I like him better than I liked um, Damien Stoudemire. And yeah, I think that Kyle Lowry, it's a weird, it's going to be a weird discussion uh, come this summer to ask to know if the Raptors should give him like $40 million a year. But because, you know, he's one of the best Raptors of all time, but is he a championship making player? Oh, that's a hard, that's a hard discussion to have. And um, I, yeah, like he, he's been the heart and the soul of the Raptors since the beginning of the year. A lot of people are giving credit to the Marta Rosen. The Rosen, I'm giving all the credits to, uh, I'm giving all the credits to uh, Kyle Lowry. As much as last year's All-Star Skill Contest participation was high, especially in the three-point contest where we had players like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson battling mm-hmm. against each other. Uh, this year, it seems like it's going to be a dud. And it seems like it's going to be the case for the dunk contest too, having lost their winner of last year and not having any big superstar name involved once again. And now Steph Curry even won't even do the three-point contest. So uh, what are your thoughts on those two competitions? Well, there's going to be eight players, eight extremely competent players in the three-point contest. First of all, Clay Thompson's going to be there, which is cool. Uh, Kyle Lowry is going to be there, who is also an all-star this year. Uh, Eric Gordon can make his three points. Kyrie Irving has won the contest before. As for the rest, CJ McCollum, Kemba Walker, Wesley Matthews, who I think is shooting for 20% this year, and Nick Young, who is famous for uh, missing a uh, three points, turning around and celebrating like he had it. Um, <laughs> I I don't think, like, I think it's going to be between... Thompson, Laurie, Gordon, and Irving, and like basically the first round is going to be a dud, and every and like the semifinal and the final should be good. I have a really really strong gut feeling that Kyrie Irving is going to get his title back this year. Kyrie is a hot streak shooter. When he gets hot, he's absolutely unstoppable. Uh, so is Clay Thompson, but Kyrie, Kyrie outplayed Clay Thompson in the uh, finals last year. So I think Kyrie takes his title back this year. When we're kids, Ben, and we're watching NBA hockey, but it's NBA in this case, and it's the All-Star weekend or All-Star break, and we get to see all that, uh, there's a lot of excitement. It's it's fun. It's it's novel. It's different, you know. Uh, The more we get older, the more we just see it as almost an impedance in the season. Uh, Where do you stand? How do you feel about the All-Star game? Are you excited about it? Can uh, are you like uh, crazy and watching like all the pregame, postgame on NBA TV, trying to get all the 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 interviews and little moments with everybody? Uh, What's your take on the All-Star game? I would I would um, keep everything about the All-Star game except the All-Star game. <laughs> I would, I would like, skip the Sunday. Like, basically, it's a three-day event, right? There's a, um, there's a, uh, there's a, um, uh, rookie games, rookie and sophomore games on the Friday. There's a, uh, along with a celebrity game, which is cool, which is fun. I mean, I want to see Kevin Hart, uh, try to outplay everyone and, like, t- take, uh, take 20 shots a game. That's funny to me. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, we're going to see Bieber once again. Jeez. I already saw him in may- hockey. May- maybe, maybe not. But um, there's, um, like, the skill contests are one of the crowning jewels of the season. Like, everybody tunes in for Saturday night. Like, everybody cares about the Saturday night and nobody cares about anything else. So, 
That's cool. Like last year, it was uh, last year it was uh, magical with Iron Gordon and uh, Zach Levine battling in Toronto for uh, the dunk contest supremacy, which I think is the most iconic skill competition in all of sports, right? All in all of team sports, um, it's the most iconic. It's, it's the most iconic one. Uh, this year, it's going to be. Uh, a little, so it's a little bit of a dud because Zach Levine tore his ACL and so he's not going to be able to uh, participate and uh, he might not even be, even be able to do this slam dunk contest ever because it's a very debilitating injury for leapers like him. But we got some very exciting names there. We got Aaron Gordon, who almost won last year. Well, I think won uh, in my heart. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. from Phoenix, who played a total of 11 minutes in the NBA. But Derek Jones, it's known from his high school days that this kid can fly. Derek Jones can walk in the sky. Like, is, like you guys at home, Google, uh, YouTube, uh, Derek Jones Jr. And you guys, are going to, uh, you guys are going to see some amazing in-game dunks. There's Glenn Robinson Jr. from Indiana. I, Glenn Robinson III, pardon me, from Indiana, which I'm not sure what's gonna what it's going to give, but like don't underestimate don't, don't underestimate him. The kid can jump, and the most interesting uh, the most interesting uh, new participant this year, DeAndre Jordan, who has some of the best poster dunks uh, in the history of the NBA. He, if you guys remember, he's the guy that absolutely terrorized uh, Brendan Knight when he was playing with the um, <laughs> Detroit Pistons a couple, a couple of years ago. It was the most brutal contact, contact dunk I've seen, I think, in the last five years. And the Andrew Jordan is doing this dunk contest this year. So why not? I, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be giving it a shot. I'll be watching at home. And I, I intend on enjoying it. I'm pretty sure everybody will, will think it's a dud, but it's going to be a very good contest. All right. You sold me on it. You got me excited about it. Thank you. I'm Thank a, you very I, much. I'm man. a positive person by nature. And it rubs off and I got the rub. Let's talk about our prospect of the week, Caleb Swanigan, power forward for Purdue. A player that's maybe ranked between 59 and 61st, depending on your top 100 prospect, but a, a second to third round draft pick potentially for next year but what can you tell us about the power forward Caleb Swanigan he is a very storied prospect he was he was one of the top 10 prospects coming out of high school he originally uh, he originally committed to Michigan State and changed his mind in the last day and went to Purdue I don't know what happened there but something happened there and he went to Purdue which is <laughs> Something we happened, and it's maybe either money, car, or maybe his sisters are set for life, and it's not connected to him for the rules, but something happened there. I'm just saying. Or or it's um, uh, Purdue is renowned as a very good school, and True. the Tom Izzo program at Michigan State is pretty cutthroat. Maybe it was a confidence issue. And hmm. last year, Caleb Swan again was just an afterthought. Like, everybody... Was like okay, this kid is never going to get drafted. He's never going to be. He's never going to be a star in the NBA. He's playing in the shadow of AJ Hammonds, who plays now for the Dallas Mavericks, um, who is one of the most decorated uh, players in the history of Purdue. So, um, but this year he transformed. Like Caleb Swanigan became the heart and the soul of the Purdue Boilermakers. He. He became a beast of a post player. He, he has these long arms. 
we can finish over defenders and he finishes with authority like he's he's a me like he's a mean post player he can shoot the three he's very fast he runs hard he had a, he had like uh, health problems uh, weight problems last year so uh, it was holding him back uh, but this year he's in shape uh, he is uh, he is he is a perfect small ball center for the NBA uh, his Playing style is not a, a small ball center because he plays a lot of uh, post games. He plays a lot of uh, post ups. I don't know. I don't know where he's going to land, but I think he's going to be a second round pick. I think somebody's going to take a, a chance on him. Uh, he he did the um, he did the, the uh, combine last year, but uh, decided to go back to school, which is interesting. Which means he took some a lot of maturity. He understands better what it takes to be an NBA player. So. I don't think he's a is an is um, a first round talent. I don't think he's a, a, an NBA um, an NBA uh, force to be reckoned with. I don't think he's going to be like an all star or anything. But he will be a very versatile rotation player to have if someone in the NBA gives him a chance to show what he's got. Like uh, right now, everybody in college basketball loves to watch Caleb Swenigan play. He plays with a lot of confidence. And uh, I think I think it will it will shape up to be one of the best, most heartwarming stories in college basketball this year. All right. Well, you sold me on Caleb Swanigan once again, Ben. You know, we talked about your travels to the Big Easy, and now I'm gonna wish you safe travels to the Big Apple. Thank you. I just don't hope. I hope I'm not gonna get caught by a Donald Trump-like security agent. Well, you you just have one nationality, and it's Canadian, so you should be fine. Oh, you have a beard! Like, uh, <laughs> so, tell me something. Like, you're gonna take my French is uh, is um, Arabic, so you know. No, but it's New York. In New York, no pe people don't like uh, people don't like Donald Trump in New York. No, exactly. You'll you'll be fine, Ben. And say hi to David Villa for me. And until next Will, time. And Andrea Pirlo too. Uh, well, I don't think you're gonna see Pirlo again. <laughs> that's something. <laughs> that's something way different. Until next time, have a good basketball. Likewise. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.